welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Grateful evening, lovelies. I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and others. And no matter the negative circumstances or appearances in the world all around, don't let it get you down, for it is a process, even if many of us may not understand. But out of the chaos of the deconstruction of mankind's old and limiting ways of thinking, living, and coexisting comes divine order and the reconstruction of our collective consciousness towards more elevated ways of perceiving life, ourselves, and others once we first start to see the light of God within all of creation. In this way, mankind's thinking and existence becomes advanced. Their quality of living and way of being is elevated. And eventually, we learn to coexist on those higher vibratory levels in this world that we all share, breaking through all the barriers of darkness and pessimism. So, let us not get discouraged by the negative effects of the deconstructing process that is taking place right now in the world, but let us keep the faith in ourselves and in our mighty I Am presence, always remembering that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life, and y'all be loved. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh, to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again, rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory.
I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called, those He called, He also justified, those He justified, He also glorified. Romans 8 1 30. Isis Unveiled, Chapter 11. Before leaving the subject, we wish to say a few words more respecting the cases where the head, arm, and hand were instantly dissolved though it was evident that in each instance the entire body of the child had been perfectly formed. Of what is a child's body composed at its birth? The chemist will tell us that it comprises a dozen pounds of solidified gas, and a few ounces of ashy residuum, some water, oxygen, hydrogen, nitrogen, carbonic acid, a little lime, magnesia, phosphorus, and a few other minerals, that is all. Whence came they? How were they gathered together? How are these particles which Mr. Proctor tells us are drawn in from the depths of space surrounding us on all sides, formed and fashioned into the human being? We have seen that it is useless to ask the dominant school of which Magendi is an illustrious representative, for he confesses that they know nothing of the nutrition, digestion, or circulation of the fetus, and physiology teaches us that while the ovule is enclosed in the graphian vesicle it participates, forms an integral part of the general structure of the mother. Upon the rupture of the vesicle, it becomes almost as independent of her for what is to build up the body of the future being as the germ in a bird's egg after the mother has dropped it in the nest. There certainly is very little in the demonstrated facts of science to contradict the idea that the relation of the embryonic child to the mother is much different from that of the tenant to the house, upon whose shelter he depends for health, warmth, and comfort. H. P. Blavatsky According to Democritus, the soul results from the aggregation of atoms, and Plutarch describes his philosophy as follows. That there are substances infinite in number, indivisible, undisturbed, which are without differences, without qualities, and which move in space, where they are disseminated, that when they approach each other, they unite, interlock, and form by their aggregation water, fire, a plant, or a man. That all these substances, which he calls atoms by reason of their solidity, can experience neither change nor alteration. 
But, adds Plutarch, we cannot make a color of that which is colorless, nor a substance or soul of that which is without soul and without quality. Professor Balfour Stewart says that this doctrine, in the hands of John Dalton, has enabled the human mind to lay hold of the laws which regulate chemical changes, as well as to picture to itself what is there taking place. After quoting, with approbation, Bacon's idea that men are perpetually investigating the extreme limits of nature, he then erects a standard which he and his brother philosophers would do well to measure their behavior by. Surely we ought, says he, to be very cautious before we dismiss any branch of knowledge or train of thought as essentially unprofitable. Brave words, these. But how many are the men of science who put them into practice? H. P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 13 My love, blessings, and greetings, beloved ones, and I am more than delighted that you are keeping abreast of the times, being aware of the possibilities. May I remind you again that you have a power, once you realize it, which would enable us in any emergency to successfully achieve almost any kind of activity upon which the large percent of the outer world's attention might be fixed. You may be sure that wherever the outer plans of the world conform to the inner requirements, every assistance will be given, and I feel very sure, if in cooperation with the great cosmic light, this which you have been joyously discussing could be a means of establishing an activity unparalleled by any other means at the present time. That is how many things can be transmuted into a divine activity, and out of it comes a great activity of divine justice. I have never in my entire experience seen so much accomplished for the nation as has been accomplished in the past 30 days. You will see the outpicturing of this gathered momentum of these mighty decrees for the past three and a half or more years, and if you understood as we do, they cannot fail to produce the results, either in your private decrees or in the group activity. I call your attention again to these vast group decrees in the class. There is no one outside of ourselves who can possibly estimate what is done through those tremendous activities, and the joy and harmony, and the enthusiasm, and the great outpouring of divine love in this recent class is unparalleled by anything the world has ever known in hundreds of centuries, and it was a gathered momentum of about six months. Do you realize, beloved ones, what, I mean something that is in conformity with the divine order of things, how an expectation in your desire world creates and holds a power of activity and anchorage that can produce astounding results? Therefore, you are beginning to see now the outpicturing of the gathered momentum by these mighty decrees that will be the greatest delight of your whole experience. Beloved Saint Germain I do congratulate you. With our assistance I feel so sure that your entire life streams, all of you, have been so cleared of past accumulation and conditions that you will be able to govern yourselves in absolute happiness and harmony that makes it possible for us to do things we need to do. You have no idea what that would mean to you and to us, absolute harmony maintained in your feelings, in your association, for six months. I know it is not quite possible, unless you saw with me from the octave above just what all this means, but it is so vital. It is so important that I again plead with you, don't let anything under any circumstance disturb your feelings, because, you see, we have gained such a victory in spite of all that has had to be met, that if that can be done, and it was with those conditions, what magnificent marvels would be accomplished with absolute perfect harmony, because it releases the full power of the forces of light. 
but that has to be done over a sufficient period to get the momentum gathered. I say this to you advisedly tonight, such a tremendous momentum was gathered for you individually and for the future activity during this class, that I want you to realize that to hold and sustain the harmony in yourself, that none of that be requalified, we can do what we plan to do any time, and I can assure you, I shall delight your hearts, every one of you, beyond your fondest imagination if you will do this for me, because we are going into very definite action. I will never forget this class, and you see how absolutely powerless all of the vicious forces are. They have no more power than a feather in a gust of wind. The only slightest touch of anything was when the gathered projection of force was there to make the people sleepy, so they would not comprehend. That was cleared immediately, so it was a very marvelous thing. You see, really, and this is why I talk about it again, when there is sufficient harmony within a focus, all those things can be transmuted into an activity of service. While their intent is wholly wrong, yet with sufficient gathered substance from the human octave, we can always change that into a thing of divine beauty and perfection. Beloved Saint Germain, 